Hey, hello. Tonight, I am talking to Gabby Farrington about our experiences waiting in the toxic side of the fitness and diet culture. This is going to be a particularly long episode because I opted not to edit out any of our personal journeys and to respect the information that was shared. Now, I want to add a trigger warning as well as a little, for lack of a better term, disavowal here. First, we do discuss objectification, eating disorders, body dysmorphia, and allude to sexual assault and harassment. If any of these topics are things that you currently struggle with or you feel might make it challenging for you to listen, please just proceed with care. Second, we talk about things fairly generally in regards to referencing the fitness and diet culture and gym industry, and there are certain parts where we specifically discuss objectification by men. We want to be clear on a couple things. Um, we realize that there is plenty of space within the industry to find wellness, healthy balance, and a community of people working to get together for a goal of self-betterment. I myself am lucky enough to have found an incredibly healthy space to practice wellness in a way that works for me and nurtures my mental and emotional health as well. We are in no way anti-gym, anti-trainer, anti-fitness, etc. We are simply touching on our opinions and some of our experiences in one very real side of the industry that happened to be the corner that we made our way into. Uh, though we need to acknowledge that the statistics of sexual abuse and harassment are disproportionately coming from men, um, we are not calling out the gender specifically here. Again, this is simply a discussion about our personal experiences and healing processes. On a personal note of disclosure, I want to clarify and expand on a couple of things, and this will all make a little more sense as you listen along. First, I would not say I regret this time in my life. I think regrets can stilt change and deny or disregard the grace that we've been given and the opportunities that we've gotten since. Um, I had a lot of fun times and enjoyable experiences during these years, despite the negative ones. And to top it off, they eventually led me to such mental, emotional, and spiritual growth. I also do indeed have a couple of retained friendships from my relatively brief time in this realm that were not entirely toxic, harmful, or negative, and I'm really thankful for those people to have come out of that time in my life. I want to lastly note that there were connections that I made that may not have been purely based on appearance, um, but because of how I valued myself at that time and in that culture, that is where I put the energy and focus. And if people did truly connect with me because of feeling drawn to my personality, I honestly probably didn't notice or unfortunately the personality that they got was embellished or not entirely authentic. So now that you have all of that in mind, let's dive in with Gabby. Can you still hear me okay? Yep. Perfect. All right, Gabby. Well, let's start by introducing yourself. Tell the people a little bit about who Gabby is. 
Who is Gabby? Well, I am Gabby Farrington. I'm a stay-at-home mom. Well, work-from-home mom now. Um, I'm a former personal trainer and fitness nutrition specialist, and I somehow that turned into being a homeschool mom. And now I am also a small business owner. Um, I have three little girls. I'm married to a wonderful man, Jamie. I live in Iowa, nice little suburb in Iowa, and I've got kind of a quiet, happy life. And that that's about who I am. <laughs> that about covers it. <laughs> it's me, me in a box. <laughs> oh, well, I'm so excited to have you here today to talk about um, some things that we have really connected on even before we like knew each other at all. Yeah. Um, not necessarily the most joyful topics in the world, but it's joyful because we both kind of have really worked our way out of the pits of this. So today we're going to um, just talk a little bit about our journeys through and out of the really toxic side of the fitness diet and quote unquote health industry. Um, so if you want to uh, kind of get us started and tell us a little bit about your background, um, how you got into that in the first place. I'm really actually excited to talk about this topic because it's not something that I talk about a ton anymore. Um, I'm assuming anybody listening to this does not know that I am a former YouTuber and I hate this term, but I'm going to say it for lack of a better word, but I'm a former influencer as well. And there have been a few times where I felt like it was appropriate on my platforms to talk a little bit about my journey, um, especially because social media kind of started for me when I was in the fitness industry. So um, to give you a little background, I, my mom and dad growing up were very, very fit. My dad is a former bodybuilder um, and did that for quite some time. And then while my mom was never to that level, she was always super active. She was always running always. I remember her in our tiny little apartment in Norwalk, Iowa. I remember my mom laying on our kitchen floor doing, I, I can't even quite describe what the movement was, but she would do this every morning. She would lay on the floor with her arms splayed out, kind of like Jesus on the cross. And she would <laughs> move her <laughs> knees back and forth. And she was obviously working her abdominals and her core, but right. she was so religious about doing her workouts every morning, going for her runs, eating really healthy. So all of that to say, I have been around fitness and quote unquote, health for my whole life. Um, for me, it looked a little bit different, though. I was I never really did a ton of working out. I was not, you know, in the gym with my dad. I was not uh, wasn't really into sports. In fact, I would do everything humanly possible to get out of participation, <laughs> including including, I'm sorry, mom, but I did fake an ankle injury one time so that I could get out of course into track. I was just not an athlete, but I was a competitive dancer and I did that for 15 years. Um, so that, that was my, that was my movement. That was my, my workout in childhood. That was just my, my happy place. However, um, that was also kind of like, I think where, my eating disorder kind of started. And I'll touch on that later in our conversation. But um, 
so I, I did that for 15 years. And after I stopped dancing, I would kind of pick up a fit hobby from time to time. I stopped dancing my junior year of high school when I was sent to boarding school, which is a whole nother topic for a whole other day. <laughs> but um, after that, I graduated from high school and I did a brief stint in community college. And I, you know, I would kind of get into things. I would run from time to time. I would um, kind of lift without any real knowledge of what I was doing from time to time, but nothing ever right. stuck. Um, so that's kind of, that's, that's kind of where fitness started for me. It was just like little tastes of fitness until after I had my first baby. And I was so ill-prepared for how my body was going to change uh, postpartum. I just had no idea. I think most people don't when you have your first right. child. And I really picked up weightlifting after I had my first baby. Um, and that sort of turned into, oh, okay, well, I'm seeing... I'm seeing changes in my body that I like. Um, maybe I'll share a little bit, bit of this on social media. So I started sharing on Facebook and Instagram. And then that turned into people reaching out to me to ask for help and tips. And I remember one night sitting at home with my husband and I was incredibly sleep deprived and we were so beyond poor. And I was trying to think of any way that I could possibly generate some income. And I was like, well, what if... Right what if I pursued a personal training certification? And he was like, do it, go for it. So I did. And to my surprise, I passed the test because I'm sure, as you know, it's a, it's not an easy test to, to pass. Um, no. I've, I've never been a good test taker. So I passed my test and I became a personal trainer. And shortly after um, a fitness nutrition specialist, and that's kind of where it all started. Yeah. That there's a, kind of a wildly different journey to get there. But, you know, we both kind of found ourselves in fitness during a time where we were, you know, looking for for something, some kind of change to to deal with what we were going through or changes we saw in our body. But yeah. I am um, I actually loved sports. Did you not not all sports like I wasn't just I, I wasn't going to go out and play baseball or basketball or anything honestly anything with my hands was probably just a big no-go uh, the hand-eye coordination is minimal yeah <laughs> um but I did I did swimming I did gymnastics and I did soccer my parents really encouraged us to try different active activities and soccer is the one that kind of stuck for me. Um, and I was, I played soccer for 10 or 12 years. Oh, wow. Um, and I was very competitive and I had plans to play in college, everything. Um, but so, but then I, I actually stopped playing soccer. My, I got burnout cause I was playing on so many teams and stopped right before my senior year. It was probably the end of fall of my senior year. I just really started to make very um, vacuous decisions. Like I just that they were, some would say rebellious, but I don't even know that I had anything to rebel about. I, so sans movement, and I didn't realize this at the time, but sans consistent, you know, guided movement, I kind of lost my way focusing on really getting homework done, sitting through class got more challenging. Um, 
But then when I graduated high school, I had, I had recently started working at the gym and I think the, I think the environment at the gym plus graduating high school and stepping into the real world, you know, I wasn't actually a huge part of working out at said gym. Like I would get my workouts here and there, but my main thing was working and having fun. And so I didn't really, I didn't think that I had sunk too badly into the unhealthy mindsets that I saw going on around me um, until, until later on when I started working out more and seeing the results that a lot of the people who, who I talked to while there were getting, I started seeing what the hype was all about. Um, you know, why they got so excited when, when their body would change, when they'd cut a couple, you know, body fat percentage. I'll never forget that body fat percentage. Um, the hand thing. Yeah, that was more that was more addictive to me than the scale has ever been. And I will really? never I will never, ever own one because I don't want to know. It was so uh, just watching the percentage drop up and down. Oh, my goodness. It was it was awful. Um, That's like but, the scale for me. I get that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I I eventually dove headfirst into kind of the, the fitness junkie world and, and also went into personal training. I was in the gym. I, uh, people thought I'd be good at it because I looked strong and worked out a lot and was really cute. And I was like, okay, I will take this test. So I read the books and I took the test all very, in a very short amount of time. Um, yeah. And went to the personal training director that I was working for at the time who had, he knew that I, you know, was going to be applying for one of those positions. Um, and I was like, hey, look, I read the books. I took the test. Uh, we won't discuss the fact that I don't have any um, real biomechanical knowledge. I don't really know the physiological and anatomical ins and outs of the body. So if you give me someone who is injury prone or has a weak knee, they will probably get injured, but can I have the job? <laughs> and they were like, yes. <laughs> and they were like, yes. And people, people got visual results, but I still to this day, sometimes wonder if any of those clients ended up with like a severe knee injury down the line because I was telling them how to do something wrong because I was not qualified to do that. Um, I feel like yeah, that about that's, um, that's how I ended up there. Yeah, I feel like that about mindsets. I I really quite frequently wonder if because I preached from the high heavens tracking macros for every single client. Um, did I leave them with something that is really hard for them to overcome like that, that I feel so guilty about that some days. And I really hope that none of my clients took anything negative away from their time with me, but there's always the possibility because I had no clue. I, I know I started off with good intentions, but because my mindset, I had not healed from my eating disorder. You know, I went through right. the motion because I started struggling with an eating disorder when I was, gosh, maybe 11 or 12. Um, 
I, you know, my mom recognized that I was struggling. She put me in therapy and I went through the motions, not realizing how significant this was to my psyche, to my physical health, um, just everything. So I, I, I played the part and then I got through my teenage years and that, that mindset was still there. Those unhealthy habits were still there. And then I decided, Hey, I think it's a really good idea for me to get into fitness and nutrition and then teach that to other people when I myself had not healed from my own disordered eating. It was just so bad. So bad. Right. And when you are, when you're fragile in any of those areas, whether it's, whether it's disordered eating or body dysmorphia, um, Mm -hmm. you're going to find that it gets worse. Seen it it too many times, including myself. Yeah. I remember, um, I, when I did my first and only bodybuilding prep, uh, this is what, while I was personal training, when I got to that six week mark, I was so depleted and so overworked that my husband Mm -hmm. not, he didn't tell me in the moment, but after the fact, when I was like far removed from, um, that whole industry, he was like, you were so unpleasant to be around. He was like, you were cold, you were distant, you were hyper-focused on yourself, but like not in a good way in a very super, I need to check myself in the mirror every single day. I need to take pictures from all angles. I need to step up, step on the scale multiple times a day. He was like, it was so hard to be around you because it was so unhealthy. And you just, you seem to only care about yourself, despite the fact that we had a a small child. We only had one child at the time, but I was very self-involved and I, I very much regret that, that part of my life. Yes, the the self-involved aspect and you it it's hard to even realize that you're doing it because you think that you know, you know at least I thought that I was doing these things to be healthy and portray health and strength and yes. all I was really doing was you know trying to shape my own body no matter what it took as far as, you know, hindering relationships or, or like you said, depleting myself completely. I met Dusty um, right before the very last photo shoot that I did. And I was driving home because it was in Indiana and I was driving home and I called him and I said, I am going to need, uh, I'm going to need you to get some Guinness. We're going to order pizza uh, we're going to go out to Buffalo Wild Wings tonight. I would love to have some ice cream. We ended up also stopping somewhere for donuts. And I ate so much oh. that I like, I like got food drunk and passed out yeah. entirely. Woke up yeah. feeling absolutely miserable. And um, Dusty thought it was hilarious. When I woke up, he was like, I'm impressed. That was That was impressive. And I woke up and I like giggled it off. But when I walked away, all I could think was like, that was the most absurd binge in my life. Because I like, mm. all I wanted to do was eat after, yeah. you know, not, not, eat, not eating anything, anything but protein and working out like crazy. That's, um, so, that's, that's funny. You mentioned that, that binge. Um, I, that's something that I have struggled with, with my eating disorder, binge eating. Um, yes. but when I was, when I was in prep and I, I didn't actually follow through with the competition, I think I made it to five weeks out and I was like, I, physically can't do this anymore. I cannot do any more cardio. I cannot spend another 
night at the gym lifting when I am eating 1200 calories a day. Like I could not do it. So I, I, that 1200 number. It's brutal. Nobody should be surviving on 1200 calories. It's so unhealthy. Especially if you're doing anything active. (laughs) I I would never, ever go back to eating that little ever again. Never. You couldn't pay me all the money in the world. Um, But I remember when I made the decision to pull out of my prep, I ate so much food. I didn't, first of all, I did not reverse diet. And if, if you know anything about bodybuilding competitions, that is essential to coming out of a prep. Otherwise you suffer from something called edema. And that is when your body basically swells up as a result uh, or because of the sodium, right? You're retaining water and it's just, it's, so painful. And I didn't know that was something that could happen. So I'm eating cheeseburgers from Culver's, um, fries slathered in probably not even real cheese, just, you know, whatever looks like cheese from the fast food restaurant. And I, it was like within probably an hour or two of eating all of that food, ice cream, my hands started to swell profusely, my feet started to swell. And it almost reminded me at the time, I didn't have my second child, but having gone through preeclampsia with my second child, yeah. it almost reminded me of the swelling that I had with my second baby when I was struggling with that. It was so bad and terrible on my body. And it's just when wow. you talking about that binge reminded me of um, that that one time where I went really hard after my one bodybuilding yes. prep and it was just, it was too much on my body. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. How long um, did you kind of stay in the personal training, fitness influencer, bodybuilding kind of box? And do you feel like at any point you were stuck there and kind of wanted to get out? I, it was, it was a short time for me. It felt like forever, but it was like two and a half, three years. Um, And what, kind of, well, first of all, I was stuck because I was so addicted to the compliments, to the messages on social media from the looks when I would walk into the gym. You know, I was, I'm just, I have never looked more fit in my entire life. I, however, was not healthy. So I I just want to emphasize that. I looked great. I, however, inside was not doing good. And that is will always be more important to me. Um, So, you know, I'd walk in the gym and people, people wanted to talk to me. They had questions about what I was doing and, and how, how could they work out so that they could look like me. And um, I also, while I was really into bodybuilding, I started lifting super heavy, like almost powerlifting. And I always, I, I tell people now, if I got back into heavy weightlifting now, I would pursue powerlifting because I find it fascinating. It comes mm-hmm. kind of naturally to me as opposed to running, which is really challenging for me, but powerlifting felt good. So I would go in and by the time I was by the time I left the fitness industry, I was deadlifting almost 300 pounds and it felt good to be recognized as, Oh, that's the girl that's that she like, she's small, but she can lift heavy, you know, Um, the messages on social media that I would get to, because I was sharing so much of my journey. I was sharing, Oh, this makes me cringe so hard, but I was sharing progress pictures. So even if you, I, I haven't deleted them, which I probably should, but if you go back on like my Instagram two years ago, you will find my progress pictures. I can't like look at gym them. locker rooms. 
Oh, I remember the gym yeah. locker room pictures. Gym <laughs> locker rooms, yes. <laughs> oh, it just makes me cringe so hard, but they're there. Um, but also that's part of my journey. So maybe there's no sense in, in deleting them. But um, I was just addicted to the the constant compliments and, and people commenting on my body, which now as a mom of three daughters and somebody who is well into eating disorder recovery, it is just baffling to me why I found that to be a good thing. There is never an appropriate time to comment on the way someone's body looks. And I was getting it left and right. And I was like, yeah, I like this. This is good. And then I also sort of perceived myself as like a walking billboard for my, oh gosh, this sounds narcissistic, but it, this is this was my mindset at the time. But I was like a walking billboard for my personal training services. I right. thought if I don't look the part, who is going to want to pay this, this high fee that I'm asking if they don't think I know what I'm talking about? Now, I didn't totally know what I was talking about. I was really good at BSing my way through it. And I knew how I knew how to work out for aesthetics, but not for not for functionality, certainly not for longevity. Um, So I just I was just addicted to it. And that's what kept me stuck. But it wasn't until I got pregnant with my second child Um, I was working in a gym and I was so, so incredibly sick. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to train people. I didn't want to talk about health and wellness anymore. I just wanted to be pregnant and I wanted to eat what I felt like eating. And I wanted to lay around and be with my first baby um, because I knew our lives were about to dramatically change. And the gym that I was working in at the time who... Uh, it shall remain nameless, but the gym that I was working in was a really toxic environment. And I remember the manager, I had spoken to her and said, you know, I think, I think I need to step back from this. And I think I need to just be home because I don't feel good. I feel like I'm not really contributing like I was before pregnancy. And she seemed on board with that. And so I had this private Facebook group for my personal training clients. And after speaking with the manager, I posted a message in this group and I was like, Hey, I just want to let you all know I'm putting in my two weeks at said gym. And if you need trainer recommendations, I'm happy to suggest people to you or get you set up before my time is done at the gym, but I am going to be leaving. Um, And somehow she took that, the manager took that as a really negative thing. And this woman came storming in the gym. I was working in their supplement shop when this happened. She comes storming in the gym, screaming at me, saying, saying that I was like um, bad mouthing the gym and that I was, I was making them look very negative. And for, I, I, it was so bizarre to me. Um, And that was, that was it. That was it for me. That is the push that I needed to get out of there. And then once I was out, I, I mean, I, I didn't even finish my work day. I was like, cool, let me grab my purse. Let me grab my keys. I am out yep. here. Let me return your key. You're screaming at a pregnant woman. I have to go. This is too much. And I never really looked back. I mean, there are certainly days where I, I miss the connection with clients. Um, but also, I don't know if that's if that's my perceived connection or if I genuinely right. had, if, if I was doing something good for them. So mostly I don't miss it. 
Yeah. I, you, you mentioned connection with your clients. And if I look back at that, I, for, for me and, and my journey and where my mind was at the time, especially because one of the big differences is that I was single during all of this Mm -hmm. before I met Dusty. Yeah. Um, The, to my core, I was the overly empathetic, sweet person who wants to make everyone happy and wants to genuinely connect with everyone that I am today. But what I put on because of what I was seeing around me and what I felt like I needed to be, to be this cool fitness person working in the gym around all these people getting, you know, all this, this hype was, was just not a genuinely nice person. I, I am guessing that if I were to go back and look at conversations that I had with clients, I would probably be using my super overly polite, like phone work voice or sales Mm -hmm. voice um, while I was training them. And I imagine that I said some really like passively insulting things yeah. to during their workouts. And that's, that's all I can imagine. So, and you know, for me, none of my relationships at that time, personal or professional, I don't think any of them were completely legitimate. I mean, outside yeah. of like family, I don't think any of them were, were true relationships or connections, which is kind of sad because it wasn't like a huge part of my life, but it was a good chunk. And yeah. to look back and realize that like everyone I had connected with is just kind of a wisp <laughs> in the wind is yeah. bizarre. Um, and just like you, I, I got hooked on the the compliments and the comments and for me, again, I was, I was very single and something that, you know, I never thought I would get so caught up in was the attention from men, which again, hindsight 2020, it was not positive attention. It was, it was. And you were being objectified. And and I was being objectified. It was, Nothing, nothing about the attention that I was getting had to do with me unless I did something, did or said something stupid. And then it was absolutely about me. All the rest was about how I looked and what they thought about that. Um, So the, the, um, the compliments and comments in the attention really had me feeling like, like it was a a good place to stay um, alongside of the fact that I, I felt like how I got there through dropping my college plans after high school, all Mm -hmm. after, you know, some various traumatic experiences that just kind of shook my brain and left me feeling like there was a thousand opportunities spinning around in front of me. Um, Mm -hmm. But I couldn't, I couldn't seem to latch on to one and just do it. And so I just didn't do any of them. Um, And when I finally found like consistency in the gym and in fitness and in training and in results and in people, you know, giving me attention and being quote unquote kind to me um, and hyping me up, I felt like, okay, this is where 
I need to be. I don't have any other options. I'm not worth all the other options that I did have. Mm -hmm. What else am I going to do? This is, this is where I am. So I put all of my eggs into, into training people without the knowledge that I really needed to do so. And into looking, looking good. The the perspective is so good though. It's like, I'm so grateful to be so far removed from that community and industry. Um, And, and to be where I'm at now, I do not have a single visible muscle and that's fine. Like I, I truly am at a place today where that's okay. Um, my body kind of like ebbs and flows and I, for the most part, am okay with it. I think also because, um, you know, I, I don't think a person is ever fully recovered from an eating disorder. I think we, right. we, uh, learn how to deal with the the behaviors and the mindsets in a much healthier way. Um, and we become more aware the longer we, we are in our healing journey. Right. But um, I do find myself sometimes like if I get out of the shower and I'm looking in the mirror, I'm like, Oh girl. And then, but then it's okay. It's like, instead right. of back where I was when I was personal training um, and bodybuilding, where I would spend like, an embarrassing amount of time looking at myself in the mirror and picking apart things that were not actually there or um, quote right. unquote wrong with me. I, I can now look at myself in the mirror after having three kids and having a moment where I'm like, dang, I wish that was a little bit different. And then being like, no, 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 you're good. We're good. Let's right. move along. Like you're, it's just such a, such a better place to be in. Um, for me. And I'm again, real, just really grateful to have this perspective now. I will find myself um, almost actively not looking at my Mm. body. Um, And not because, not because I, you know, think about not liking what I'll see or because I'm trying to avoid it, but because it matters so much less now. Yeah. Um, Oh, that's good. And I, I realized, so during, um, COVID, the beginning of COVID, after I had fan, when I was cleared for, you know, working out and stuff, I, I tried to get back into working out mostly so that I could stay healthy while everyone was getting sick so that I could have strength to basically handle, you know, my newborn and two-year-old on my own. Um, and I started using, I don't want to there's a lot of good about them. So I'm not going to name the company's name, but I started using a workout app. Um, mm-hmm. um, I'll throw this out. It was not Peloton. Peloton came later. I still have a great appreciation for the way Peloton approaches, approaches overall health and wellness. Um, but this app yeah. was not that. And I found myself, I was got Google photo reminders the other day of um, progress photos that I had taken while I was like two, three, four months postpartum Mm -hmm. and like being like in the beginning, just kind of, you know, with a little less serious to it. But then in the end, I could remember looking at those pictures and being really hard on myself. And it was shortly after that, that I kind of realized what was happening. And I'm sure a lot of it had to do with the, the mental stress of being home alone and, and, you know, everything else going on. But 
I definitely found myself back in that mindset. And that's, that's right around when I, when I started registering for races, I was like, if I'm going to, if I'm going to move and stay healthy, I need a goal other than something visual. Yeah, that's, that's very good. And you are reminding me of um, one of the reasons that I had to go through all of my social media accounts and unfollow so many fitness influencers that I really looked up to in my time as a personal trainer and while I was really into bodybuilding. Um, because after I, I kind of gravitated towards that, that lifestyle again, after my second child, even though I was removed from the gym and I wasn't training clients, that was all I knew. Uh, that's the only way I knew how to change my body, right? Tracking macros, lifting and, um, hit training and just, that's all I knew. So after my second baby and I had gained significantly more weight with her than I did with my first, um, I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do to drop the baby weight. And I found, I found that I was seeing fitness programs and I hate this word so much, um, diet plans, uh, nutrition programs. They were not nutrition programs. Um, right being marketed towards postpartum women. And now that infuriates me. It is so predatory because there is no, a woman is so vulnerable after she has a baby. And so, um, so I don't know if insecure is the right word, but your body changes so much after you have a child, right? Even whether it's your first baby, your second baby, your third, your fourth, whatever, your body changes. And it is kind of a hard adjustment to make with each child. I had a hard time after each baby. And, um, I just feel like it is so predatory to make a woman feel like they have to be doing X, Y, and Z to, uh, bounce back. That makes me so angry now. Uh, I didn't see that necessarily at the time when I was looking to, to kind of, you know, (laughs) snap back as the kids call it these days. Uh, but I, I kind of fell into it and, I'm so sorry. Can you hear that? <laughs> Dogs. You it's it would not be unlikely for you to hear Liam right behind me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Are you gonna be able to cut that out? <laughs> <laughs> if we're not, it's fine. Comedic relief. <laughs> they are very um very protective of our of our home. But anyway, I so yeah, I, I just feel like that that was so triggering for me and still is a little bit not triggering in like a I'll fall back into that mindset and those habits kind of thing. But if I see programs that are being marketed towards women who have just had babies, it just rubs me the wrong way. Well, and especially, so the, the fitness programs that are marketed directly towards postpartum women are dangerous because there's going to be a lot of those women who should not be participating in a lot of the exercises even if they are deemed safe unless you are doing them with a with a like medical professional a Mm -hmm. physical therapist Mm -hmm. some women are going to end up getting hurt or worse doing a lot of those programs and the nutrition programs that i've seen um 
for postpartum women. So even my initial thought when you were talking about that was if you are breastfeeding, you need, you need a certain amount of nutrients and, and every woman is different in what they're going to need to keep that supply up. But even if you're not breastfeeding, if you just had a child and your body went through all that trauma, because it is a lot of physical trauma and change there there is absolutely no reason to diet and if you do it's not only going to be hard on you and your body that's recovering and needs proper nutrition to fully recover Mm -hmm. you're also going to have a lack of of energy and stamina to take care of the tiny child that you just birthed to your best ability, uh, not even mentioning other children that you might have. Like if, if you follow those and they don't happen to line up with what your body actually needs, then there's going to be some major issues for you and the people around you. Those are just, I I could go on for days about that. I hate, I I hate how postpartum women are just that. That's like a, it's a whole, that's a topic in and of itself. Like I think social media has contributed heavily to women, uh, postpartum women thinking that they need to look a certain way in a certain amount of time after having a child. And we forget that social media is not reality. Um, Absolutely. I think there is a, there are a handful of people whose careers have been made out of social media who are authentic. But I think for the most part, we are seeing heavily filtered images, even videos. Like it's very easy to, to filter a video and to make yourself look, you don't actually look if I were to run into you at the grocery store, you know what I mean? Right. Um, So there, gosh, so social media, I have a love hate relationship with it. I mean, I work in social media and I think when used in, in the correct way, it is, a very powerful thing. Um, but it can also be powerful in a very negative way. And I think it can absolutely be that for women who have just given birth. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's, yeah. Like you said, that is a, that is a topic for another day that we could (laughs) go on and on about. Um, but something, something I kind of want to find out from you is some of it you will have already touched on, but like, the the most toxic things that you remember from being in that environment literally i will mention that one of the most toxic things for me is i don't know if you got into them but i also for a a brief amount of time worked at a supplement store Mm -hmm. and worked out with a lot of people who worked at supplement stores and it's unfathomable how many stimulants and weird supplements that I took to look a certain way or to help change my body or supplements to allow me to eat what I wanted on cheat day. I remember there was, there was a pill that I would take with several stimulants and a cup of coffee at the beginning of cheat day called carb something. I don't, I don't remember what it was, what was in it, what it actually did, if it actually did anything, but it was a whole lot of t- that I was not probably <laughs> supposed to be putting in my body. And it probably yeah. did absolutely nothing to help with the carb intake that I was 
doing on that day. Carbs that I probably needed at that point, maybe yeah. not as many as I was eating, but carbs that I definitely needed. But literally that would have been one of the most toxic things for me, but hmm. I digress. <laughs> so. No, that's, I, I, I'm right there with you. I also worked in a supplement shop while I was um, training in the gym and, um, taking fat burners, stimulants, all of it, um, way more than what I actually needed. Nobody needs those things. You don't need those no. things to, to, uh, change your body composition. And it, it kills me that I suggested these kind of products to people. And now I know what kind of damage can actually come from taking that stuff so frequently. Um, yes. but so yeah, walking away, still kind of thinking like, okay, if I want to look a certain way, I need to, I've got to kind of have these supplements. I know it makes things happen quickly. And in reality, it probably had nothing to do with it, with the way my body was changing and all of that. So, um, supplements just changing my, I still struggle with this, um, taking supplements now that I, are more for my overall health and wellness rather than, um, right. Aesthetics. That's something I'm still working on. Like I know why I don't need to take fat burners. Um, and I know why I should be taking other things, but putting that into like implementing that into my life. Right. Um, right. It, it's just, it's something that I still struggle with. So uh, that is definitely a toxic mindset that I keep with me. I hope to be free of that one day, but also like we talked about earlier, the, the, I don't know if there's a better word for this, but the, the compliments, the feedback, um, I, if I drop a few pounds and somebody notices, I immediately think, oh, I need to go harder with this, or I need to be doing this because clearly it's working. I mean, somebody else noticed, so maybe I just need to go a little bit harder. And even though I am in a much healthier, better headspace now, those, the, that toxicity still has the ability to creep in if I'm not careful. Right. And I don't think that was something that was there before I was in the fitness industry, despite struggling with an eating disorder for many years, that was very much a personal thing for me before I entered the fitness industry. Uh, and then when I left that industry, it, it felt like my eating disorder and my, my unhealthy mindsets were not, they were sort of externalized as well, not right. just something that I struggled with on the inside. So um, not taking compliments about my physical appearance at face value. Um, sorry, I thought I turned off my text messages. I hope you didn't no, hear that. Fine. Um, and then I'm trying to think of, okay, so working out, working out is another thing that I still struggle to, to find balance with. Um, because for such a long time, I worked out to look a certain way, not to right. make sure that I was strong, not to make sure that I felt good mentally, not because I wanted to set a good example for my children. I worked out because I needed to fit into a bikini to step on stage and be judged on my outward appearance. Or, right. um, you know, I needed to be a certain size so that when I showed up for my clients, they would feel motivated to look like me. So working out now, and we've talked about this before, like I still don't know what 
a consistent workout routine looks like that makes me feel good and isn't just about how I look on the outside. Appearance. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think those are the the biggest toxic traits that I've I've walked away with thanks to the fitness industry. Yes. And for me, I would say on top of um, compliments, just the the other conversations that people would have in the gym and the way that people would um, speak to each other and about each other and about themselves in not just with compliments, but in a, in a negative light as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I still find myself um, internally using some of the verbiage that I remember being used against me essentially if I were if I were training for something or with someone and you know had a certain goal I I will never ever forget having a conversation um with one of the people I worked out fairly regularly with at the time and I was just really proud of of the progress that I had made and one of the other men that I worked with, um, I think he was in sales, like gym membership sales and, mm-hmm. and said, uh, oh, actually poked at me too, which happened so much in the gym oh. as a single woman during this time. Um, yeah. but he was like, oh yeah, this, this underside of your but I'm going to try to be polite here. Um, <laughs> could you use a little bit of work? There's, there's not really, there's not really enough shape there. Like if, if you really want to make some big differences, you're going to want some shape there. So you need to start doing more of these squats and those lunges and yada, yada, yada. And I was just like shaken. And in the moment, uh, if I had the mindset I had now, I, uh, I mean, my jaw would have dropped. I probably would have smacked him and ran out. Though hopefully yeah. I wouldn't have been having that conversation at this point in my life anyway. But um, in in that moment with the mindset that I had, I was just crushed. Yeah, I mean, like to the floor crushed because this one part of my body that I had felt really proud about apparently was not good enough. I, I needed to I needed to work harder. I needed to again change the way that I ate and and come into the gym a couple more times a week when I was already coming in like twice a day um but that was just so the that is something other than compliments that has stuck with me because I sometimes feel like I um internalize that and speak to myself using the negative words that that I often heard said to me or other people around me and and that kind of connects with the you know the other another toxic thing that I, that took me a really long time, even after meeting Dusty to, to really deal with was the, um, the like sexual interactions in the gym. Yeah. Uh, Not, not necessarily physically, um, but just, which some are, you know, a lot of them were physical. That was, it was, it was a weird it was a weird environment of, of sexual tension and connection um, for single people in the gym at that time. And um, 
another thing that I, you know, got a lot of value out of, even though a lot of times I felt terrible about it, whether it was just talking to someone or more, I would feel awful afterwards, but also found myself feeling valued for that. Um, And so that was something that it took a while for that, that mindset and that being so important to not control me and to um, adjust the way that I looked at intimacy. Wow. And then, and then with eating disorders going, going into this world with disordered eating. um, And today it's, it's kind of hard for me, honestly, when people talk about counting macros, because in my mind, I just think back to scrutinizing every gram of everything that I ate until until cheat day came along and that was fine. Eat whatever you want all day long on cheat day. That's fine. But that wasn't fine either. Um, And and if I ate anything outside of cheat day, like if I, in the gym that Mm -hmm. was seen, um, it would, it would get mentioned. Even if it was, it's supposedly joking, it would get mentioned. You know, they think it wasn't a big deal, but it's a big deal that you felt like you had to comment on the fact that I'm eating a cookie that a client brought in, which is one thing that led to like hiding eating, which is something that I still will kind of find myself doing. And I won't think much of it until the next day, but I'll realize that I waited until my daughter went to bed and then went and, you know, opened up the bucket of cookies and ate a few or, you know, what, would tell my daughter that, oh, today we're, today we're not going to have ice cream before bed while we watch the movie, but maybe later in the week. And then when she would go to bed, I would sit and scoop it out. You're speaking to my soul. Yes. yes. The, the, and, and I, I 100% feel like, feel like hiding what I ate came from that because I definitely remember that's, that's where a lot of the, like, non-cheat day binges happened that would cause so much guilt would be Mm -hmm. like at the end of the day when I was home alone after you know feeling like I could not let anything slide with what I was eating that people could see and I everything that I ate people could see because at the time there were a lot of a lot of weeks where I was at the gym from like 7 a.m until 9 or 10 p.m whether I was working or working out or taking clients um so I just felt like it was all in people's eye and people's eye who would comment on it. You have um, such a, not a totally different perspective than I do and different experience, but because you were single um, right. during this time of your life, it's it's just so interesting for me to listen to because I was married with one child when I really heavily got into it. And so I didn't experience a whole lot of the sexualization. Um, I mean, of course, people would comment on my body, but it wasn't something that that's like not what I was feeding off of. What I was feeding off of was coming from like female clients. And I just, I wanted to be seen as like this, this, I wanted them to kind of like idolize me in a way. And again, I realize how narcissistic that sounds. And I am so far removed from that now, but I do remember, um, there are a couple things I want to touch on with what you said. I do remember there was one guy at the gym who I didn't like 
everybody knew I was married. Everybody knew I was a mom. Um, so usually nobody would cross lines with me, but there was this one guy who just like would not take no for an answer. He would constantly ask for my number. Can I take you to dinner? Can I, um, how can I hire you as my trainer? And when, when the, may I hire you thing came up, I was like, I can't really say no because I'm employed by the gym and I know that I kind of, I'm obligated to take him on, but I really didn't want to do it because he creeped me the hell out. Um, but I agreed to work with him one time. I was like, yeah, let's try it. Let's do a session and see if I'm a good fit for you. Um, that turned into him emailing me. Uh, somehow he got my personal email address and he was emailing me. And then one day he came into, no, there were flowers delivered to the gym and they were for me. And I was, and they were from this guy. And I was like, oh, absolutely not. This is this is too much. And I, I drew a hard line there, but I feel like that's the only time in the gym where I felt like, okay, I'm being sexualized. I'm being objectified and it's making me feel very gross. Like my husband was aware and he was like, do I need to come to the gym and and talk to this guy? And I was like, no, I've got it. And he did back off. But I think that was not long before I left the gym. The other thing, um, the, the food hiding thing. Oh my goodness. I, hearing you talk about that felt like you were talking about me. And honestly, that is still something that um, earlier we were talking about toxic mindsets that we, you know, kind of still struggle with from being in that industry. Uh, that right. food hiding is absolutely one of those things. And I was just the other day, I was in the top of my closet pulling some like pajamas down or something. And I have these cube organizers at the top of my closet. And I don't remember when I did this, but at some point I, I binged on a package of Oreos. And so I'm pulling this bin down and the empty package of Oreos falls down. And I was like, Oh, oh no. I hate this for myself. Like, I don't know when this happened, but I know it had, it couldn't have been that long ago, but geez, I don't think I had the food hiding thing before fitness. Right. It's so and I, I, I will find sometimes that, um, so most of the time now I thankfully have gotten to a place where with a lot of this, I, I am in a much healthier spot. You know, if, if I, if I want a cookie, if I want a cupcake, I'm going to eat a cookie and a cupcake. Like if I, if I want to go out for pizza, I'm going to eat pizza. If I want a beer, I'm going to eat beer. I'm not going to count it in my weekly whatevers and I'm not going to feel guilty about it. I do still have to try to, um, turn my mind away from the, maybe I should just do an extra workout before I go to bed type thing. Like if I do eat something extra, um, but usually I can, I can work around that too. Like, I feel like I'm in just the, probably the most healthy mindset with fitness and nutrition that I've been in, you know, really ever. Um, So good. But the, with, with hiding it, it, particularly back then, like if I wanted something or if, if a client brought in cookies or if someone at the gym had a pizza or whatever, which I just kind of remembered this, the men at the gym, no matter who you are, no matter what you, what you were training for, no matter what you looked like, if they brought in a pizza or a box of bagels to eat themselves or, you know, a, a 
package of cookies from a client, what yeah. have you. It, it could be, it could be um, brushed off as, oh, I'm, I'm bulking. Yeah. I'm bulking. Yeah. I'm eating this because I'm bulking. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, screw you. I'm bulking too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just awesome. remember like this visceral feeling of wanting it so badly, but not, not allowing myself to show that. I mean, like yeah. I, it was, it felt so physical. Yeah. Uh, just, oh. um, how would you say you are really intentional about not letting yourself get sucked back in? Like what, yeah. what are your, what are your motives for not allowing those things to creep back in more than the amount that they're inevitably going to, because I don't think you ever fully heal. It's always going to be there. Right. So I think having three daughters is hugely motivating for me because I never want them to struggle the way that I've struggled. I never want them to, I never want them to look at their bodies and, and pick themselves apart and think that their worth is, is defined by what they look like. Um, so like in our household, we absolutely hardline never talk about body image. Um, right. I, they will ne- they've never heard me say, Oh, I, I feel fat or, Oh, look at the way my stomach looks in this dress or these pants. Like I simply, do- I might have those thoughts from time to time, but I simply don't vocalize them and they will right. not catch me lingering in front of the mirror, looking at myself in a funny way, I would never in my wildest dreams um, say anything about the way that they look like those thoughts just don't even cross my mind. Um, So I think having them has saved me in some way because I have to be hyper aware of, of my thoughts and my words. And um, I have to set the example for them and setting the example looks like not weighing my food. And it kills me to know that my daughter, my oldest, even though she was really young when I was in this lifestyle, um, there was, there was a time where she was around when I was weighing every single meal, when I would log into my fitness pal and, and plug in every single item of food that went in my mouth that day. Um, she, I missed out on time with her because I was hitting two days and it was, I wish I could go back and and redo that time in her life. But that said, um, I, because of that experience, I am so much more aware with my other two children now and also my oldest. Um, so I, they will never catch me weighing food. They will never catch me logging my food. Um, they will never catch me they know that I read nutrition labels, but not because of the calories or, or, or the right. macronutrients. It's because I want to know what's in the ingredients. Like, is this beneficial to my body or do I need to stay away from it because it doesn't serve me? Um, so we have a lot of conversation in our house about like, if I serve a vegetable that looks funny to them, they're like, I don't want that. We, it's not like, Oh, we eat vegetables. Cause it keeps us skinny. We it's, 
no, this vegetable has, is really rich in this vitamin. And this is how this vitamin serves your body. And if you want to be strong, if you want to be fast, if you want to have a strong immune system to fight off illness, um, so you don't have to miss things that you love, like dance or playing with friends, then it's important to have foods like this. Uh, on a regular right. basis to keep your body functioning well, but it is never about the way that we look. It's all about body function. Um, so I, that my kids, my kids really keep me from getting sucked back in. Um, also not following people on social media who I find to be triggering. And I hate that. I hate that I have to say it that way because I, I'm sure that the people that I once followed are great people and right. they don't they don't intend to be toxic and they certainly cannot control how people respond to their content but for someone like me who has a very addictive personality to things like diet culture and fitness culture yeah. um I can't I cannot surround myself with that on social media and real life. I just simply cannot do it. So there is one person um, who I have followed from the time that I started my, my fitness journey and my short career in, I guess career would not be the right word because it was so short lived, but my time as a personal trainer, um, I followed her from then until now. And that's because she's evolved too. She has kind of stepped back from that that toxic culture and she is now a mom and she um she teaches wellness to other moms not fitness right. not nutrition she teaches overall wellness and i am so inspired by her in like the best way not somebody that i idolize i don't look at her body and think oh i wish i looked like that she just radiates positivity and those are the kind of people that i surround myself with on social media. Now I know that I just have to, have to stay away from, from certain people, which is too bad, but I know that about myself so that I can be diligent in, in ridding my life of things that are triggering to me. Yes. And I, I kind of have to go back on you talking about your um, daughters and that being a huge reason for you to, to keep yourself focused on on how you speak not just to them but to yourself because they are watching and listening to everything and I you know even little things I'll notice if I you know say them about myself like if I'm frustrated that I that I forgot something or whatever the way that I respond to that situation and to myself my daughter will mimic that. Like if she messes something up and gets frustrated and I hear her respond how I did, like that I shouldn't have. It's just, it's just such a, a, a strong reminder. Um, but, but body image and nutrition and the reason that we move our bodies are ones that, that I really try not to flub on yeah. because I want her to, start life with a really positive self-talk and same for Finian. I mean, it's important for little boys and men too, not just for self-talk, but for the way that they look at and speak to women. Um, And, and I have to make myself aware of that as well. So 
absolutely agree with that, that, that once you have children, if you, if you are in or edging towards a healthier mindset with it, it just, it just feels so like such a powerful pull to make sure that you're aware of how you're speaking about that and, and, and kind of, kind of help has helped me heal from a lot of it. Because if I find myself thinking or speaking in a certain way, I'm just much more aware of that now with my kids because I have to think about them too, not just myself. Um, You have, you have such an, um, like any mother of, boys has such a unique opportunity to to sort of guide the next generation of men so that we don't have young women experiencing the same things that we experienced right right Um, I just like I don't have that experience I was not blessed with boys and I'm done having babies, but I was blessed with daughters and I'm doing my best with my daughters but it's so good to know that there are moms like you raising little boys to be good, respectful, thoughtful young men one day. Right. And while it is still, there's still a lot of issues and toxicity and, Mm -hmm. but I still think there has been a huge improvement um, unless I'm just too far detached from the real world in my little home bubble working and right. <laughs> taking care of kids from this house here. Um, unless I'm just too far detached, I feel like, you know, what, 12, 12 to 11, 12 years later after all this, I, I feel like there's at least been change and we could go a lot farther into all of that with a lot more details about other things, but we'll (laughs) save that for another day. Um, But yes. And I think that um, I, I think that another thing that kind of keeps me focused on, on continuing to heal from that journey and, and looking at movement and, wellness, but that was a the perfect word in a totally different way is um, I feel like if you have a very shallow self-worth, you are going to have a very shallow perspective of other people. Even That's if cool. it's subconscious, even if you don't realize it, if you are if you are thinking of your image above all else about yourself or any one particular thing mm-hmm. and you have that shallow shallow self-worth um then then that's that's how you're going to focus on other people so yeah. you know i think that's been really important because i at, over the years caring for people connecting with people and seeing my empathy as a, a gift and not you know a curse and yeah. harnessing that it's, it's just become more and more important to me um, to really be mindful of the way that I speak to other people, the way that I lift them up, the way that I encourage them, what I do and don't point out um, how I respond. If they ask for advice about certain things, I try to be really careful about that um, to make sure I give them the advice that I would give myself when I'm being my most healthy self, not when I'm winging the opposite direction. Oh, I love that. That's really powerful. Actually. That's, that's good. 
yeah. pretty, pretty much everything you go through. I'm not going to say everything because I mean, I can't speak for everyone in their experiences. And I know people go through absolutely unimaginable things, but I think most experiences that, that you go through can be eventually used for growth. If you are willing to shift your mindset and really put in the work, it's not just to snap your fingers and be like, Oh, I'm not going to be uh, bitter or, or scarred by this. It's, it's all going to be good. And I'm going to be all better tomorrow. But if you put in the work, I think it can be used for growth and lessons for yourself and other people around you. I totally agree. And I think that's one of the intimidating things about personal development. It's like, you might have the wherewithal to know, okay, this is something I need to work on. This is something that's not serving me, but the actually working on that can be intimidating as hell. It can be scary. It can be overwhelming. Um, but I absolutely agree with you. If you're willing to, to recognize like this is an opportunity for growth and I need to allow myself to walk through it in order to improve myself as a human being so that I can be better for myself, so that I can be better for my family, so that I can be better for my friends and anybody else who I encounter. Um, I think that's huge. And it is, uh, it's such a powerful thing. Right. Exactly. So um, we are, we're, we're, we're pushing time here, getting chatty. I told you, I told you this, could this could go on for hours if we let it. Um, I love it though. This so, has been so good. What would you say that now as a parent of three girls um, and, you know, several years past, past that, that phase in your life, what, what does movement and nutrition mean to you as, as a person and as a parent, how do you approach it? How do you make it an important part of your life without making it consume your life? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so movement now, (laughs) I'm going to be totally honest here. Um, I like movement that makes my children tired at the end of the day. (laughs) If I'm being totally honest, like that could be a two mile walk. That could be, you know, just for funsies running sprints at the soccer field because I know they like (laughs) compete against one another. Um, That could be swimming for hours on end. Um, Movement now is whatever fits into our life and whatever my kids enjoy. Um, now for me, I'm still being totally transparent. I'm still trying to figure out what, um, intentional movement looks like without allowing it to be totally consuming. Um, so that might look like, you know, doing, hopping on my treadmill if it's raining and doing some incline work, or I do still really enjoy hit. It's super effective. And, um, I like that it's done in such a short amount of time that fits into my schedule. Um, but that's not on a super consistent basis. I might do it, you know, twice a week for two weeks. And then the next week I'm, I'm off and doing something different. Um, it's simply about, just moving at this point, not sitting on my couch like a potato or sitting at my desk all day long. Um, I actually have this really great thing with my sister-in-law going on right now where um, we both have 
kind of desk jobs, but like from home. So we have the freedom to work for 45 minutes to an hour, stand up and do like three sets of, of 15 squats, right. Um, or pushups or whatever. So it's just fitting in things that I know are good for my body without, um, thinking about, Oh, I'm going to do this because I know that it will, it will shape my physique in a certain way. Right. Um, nutrition. I don't, honestly, I don't give a whole lot of thought to it now. Um, because I know, I know what's good for my body. I know what works right. for my body. Um, not again, not speaking to aesthetics. I know what makes my body feel good. I know that if I eat too much sugar, um, I know that I'm going to swell up. Like that is just how my body responds to sugar. Uh, that doesn't mean that I don't enjoy, you know, a a bun cake or like a great (laughs) concrete mixer from time to time. I I love that the first thing you brought up was a bun cake. (laughs) Do you know why I did that? Because I'm planning a baby shower and we're having bunk cakes on Saturdays. <laughs> but I do like those. Um, so I, I don't ever deprive myself, but I know what works for me. You know, um, right. I know that I feel really good if I, if I, I don't intentionally count carbs ever, but I know that I tend to feel a little bit better if I'm not eating high processed carbs, you know, if I'm right. eating sweet potatoes and, and oatmeal and, um, carbs that just genuinely do good for my body and don't make me look a certain way or, or I I don't eat them because they fit into my macro allotment for the day. I will never count macros again. That's for certain. Well, that in itself, uh, kind of hinging on to non-processed carbs, but not counting your carbs Mm -hmm. shows all red. It just in itself shows a huge growth at least from what I experience in, in training when you're in that part of the environment, because I don't remember taking hardly any actual nutrients into consideration. Yeah. It was all sugars, fats, carbs, total calories. Like it, it, 80% of what I ate was probably not, real food. Yeah. And that's what's <laughs> scary about that industry. They don't tell you that it is highly processed and does not serve you right. or your overall well-being in the long run in any way, shape or form. Like, why are we not talking about micronutrients, vitamins, minerals? Like, why are we not talking about that stuff in that industry? Um, so yeah, I, I took fish oil and so many other supplements, but I remember there was a long stretch of time where I did not take a multivitamin. Mm-hmm. I think I took a B6 because of it's like fat burning and yeah. food to energy fuel efficiency, but I did not take a multivitamin on top of not eating my vitamins. Like, Oh, yeah. I just, when you, when you brought that up, you know, not counting carbs, but but eating plenty of non-processed like whole carbs that yeah. just immediately made me think of how, how little whole food I did eat and fruit. I remember fruit being just Ooh. awful. Fruit yeah. was as bad as a bowl of ice cream. And looking at that now, I'm like, that was so stupid. <laughs> absurd because that's something that's taught like, no, no fruit has sugar in it. You need to stay away from mm-hmm. sugar. 
are we not going to discuss the fact that it's a totally different kind of sugar than the one that you add to your cake mix? Like, it's just, it's so crazy to me. I enjoy food now and I, I more often than not, um, do so without guilt. And that's, that's been absolutely freeing for me. I just, I feel like I'm living now and I was not living in, in that time of my life. Right. I regularly take my kids out for things like donuts and, and do local bakeries and stuff like that. And the frequency to which I do that because I enjoy sweets and treats, that is something that I value and to have gotten to the place that I am with it to where I can go a really long time without aggressively binging on sweets mm-hmm. is just that 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 is a big thing for me that I can that I can go out, you know, four three, four times a week and and get a, a donut for breakfast or get a cookie at the cookie place or whatever with my kids, make that or bake with them, make that a fun little part of our lives, a treat for them, something we can do together that we enjoy. And, and it stems from my family. Dusty does not have a sweet tooth. Um, <laughs> but my kids do too. And, and, and knowing that by doing that, I'm also or also at least feel like I'm helping them have a much healthier relationship with sugar than I ever yes. did, even before entering into the fitness and nutrition and, and gym industry um, to, to know that, yes, you can go, you can go get donuts a few times a week. Like a donut, a donut is not that bad for you. 20 donuts. Sure. Not great, but exactly. you know, sugar, sugar itself is in moderation is not, the devil that we've made it out to be. Um, Absolutely. And then when you, when you teach children that from a young age, like, no, it's okay for us to go, to go grab an ice cream. It's okay to have a, have donuts on a Saturday. It's okay to make pancakes together. You are steering them away from restriction. When you start to make someone feel like something is off limits, um, that is, that's, that is so bad. That is so toxic and right. detrimental um, to somebody's relationship with food. And and again, something that I, I, I'm so much better now and I'm in a much better, a much healthier place now, but something as a 33 year old woman that I'm still working to overcome from time to time. So right. I, I love that, that you're teaching that to your kids. Like if it's okay to have a little sugar, like right. we're not going to eat a whole box of donuts, but we're going to enjoy it from time to time. Absolutely. Um, so let's, um, let's try to, uh, wrap up a little bit. I could talk about this for hours, um, but we're going to try to wrap this up a little bit. I would like to know, um, for you, like for me, when it comes to choosing the exercises and workouts that I do now, which I'm to a place that, that I'm grateful for where I, I love, I love, working out exercise. I wish I could think of a better word for it. I just want to say movement. I love movement. Um, and, and training for the races that I've done the past eight months or so has really been a big part of that as well as just how I feel and, um, also how it's been a huge part in 
coping with um, heightened anxiety that that we and we've talked about this that I found out in December kind of stemmed from an uptick in ADHD symptoms. Mm -hmm. So managing that and also also transitioning to being on medication and um, just just thought processing and response processing. It's it's been a big part in that. But I do not. If I go to do a workout or a run or a or a bike ride and I do not enjoy it, I don't like, you know, how how they're speaking or the music that they're playing or I don't feel like my body is happy with the movement that I'm mm-hmm. doing, whatever it is, if I'm not enjoying it, I will not do it. I will switch Absolutely. to another workout uh, another playlist, another whatever, even if it means completely abandoning it and picking it back up later, I am not going to make it a chore or something that I feel like I I have to do. Um, if, if my it. body or my mind is telling me no. Yeah. 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 No, I love what you said about not making it a, a chore. And for me, that's, that's, what I'm trying to figure out. I don't want to dread my workout. I don't want to get up and be like, gosh, I've got to put on my double sports bra and my running (laughs) shoes and go for a run that I am absolutely dreading. I don't want it to feel like that. Um, Now I will say I do really enjoy running. I like the challenge. Um, I, I can, I go back and forth on, do I commit to, to running an event? Like, do I, do I want to try and do an Ironman? Do I want to train for some, or not an Ironman, um, like a Tough Mudder or something like that. I've got a few years, I think, before I work my way. (laughs) But um, I I think something like that would be so much fun and it would be fun to train for. And I'm really interested in um, like just functional movement. If I'm put into a situation where I've got to like move and move quick, I want to physically be capable of doing that. Um, so I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out what happy movement feels like, but I do know that I enjoy the challenge of running because it doesn't come naturally to me. And I do know that I still really enjoy, um, the powerful feeling that comes with powerlifting, but I want to find a way to like make that really functional. I also toy with the idea of getting into jujitsu because I like the idea of being able to protect myself and my children and anybody else who might need it with my jujitsu moves, but I have not enrolled. My in- husband talks to Lyra about jujitsu all the time. He's like, one day oh, when really? you're older, I would like to take you to try this thing called jujitsu. <laughs> What did she talk to her so seriously about it and about how how she'll use it to protect herself and how he'll never have to worry about her and stuff like that? And she's just like, okay. I love that. I love it. Oh, he that's gets, awesome. he gets, but he gets uh, momentarily very passionate about something that happens to cross his mind, and that has that has crossed his mind several times. And he'll just the way that, the way that he talks to them about stuff like that. So cute. I love it. <laughs> hey, maybe you could revisit dance and and get back into reels and do those like that could be <laughs> moving. That's you a workout. Revisit. You could revisit your career of dancing 
via reels for all of your clients. <laughs> that would be so good. If um, so, I'm telling you something about becoming a mom has completely depleted me of any natural rhythm that I once had. Like I don't, <laughs> it's really, I sweat a lot when I make reels and it involves dancing. It's very uncoordinated. It's probably scary if somebody walks by my window and they probably think I need medical attention. It's like, not good, but I enjoy But at the it. same time, do you feel like you're also more, at least when you're with your kids, uninhibited in your dancing? Because I oh, absolutely yes. do. Yes, so <laughs> the, uninhibited. And the I do shy it to dancer the in me pre-kids <laughs> look would look at me in horror if they saw me dancing <laughs> with my kids, doing what in my mind feels like a legitimate dance move. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I love dancing with my children. And I, I think part of that is because I like their response. I like when they see we're going back to that. I, I, I feed off of people's responses. But now it's my children. <laughs> I like making them laugh. And I like, um, I like making them feel feel a little embarrassed within the comfort of our own home, because I'm such a terrible dancer these days. Absolutely. <laughs> it's so much fun. Uh, well, is, is there anything else that is on your mind? Um, I don't think so. I feel like we, we covered so much. It, it's been nice to have been given the opportunity to just talk about something that was kind of a, a dark part of my life so freely, but also being able to talk about what it's like to be on the other side of that. Um, right. so thank you for, for giving me a space to do that. And I just, this was so good. And we, I think we knew going into this, Absolutely. that this might be a little, little mini therapy session. 100%. Sure <laughs> 100%. And not everyone's experience in, in the industry is like that. The, That's but important. there yeah. is, there, there is, there is a, a space to find health and wellness in yeah. that industry. Um, For sure. But there is also a, a very toxic side to it. And, yeah. um, you know, just the, I guess the only advice I'd have is that if you're getting into the, the gym and fitness and diet industry, uh, proceed with caution. <laughs> Buyer beware. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All right, good. Gabby. Well, it was so good talking to you tonight. Thank and you for um, I, I hope to have you back on. Um, to dive into more topics so yes anytime have a great night you too bye bye